Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Gunit. Hi, everybody. I'm Gunit. I'm a compulsive overeater and so, so grateful. So grateful. Thank you. So grateful to be here. So grateful to be in a room where there's so much love. And as I walked in, just speechless with words, but the hug says it all. And that's what this recovery is, just the beginning of that, that love and that light. Um, is there a timer? Just five minutes before 6.20 would be great. Or 10, 10, 5, and 5 would be great. Thank you, Sarah, and congratulations. Um, I really want to welcome the newcomers. I really want to welcome Robin. It's so great because this is what I do anywhere in the world that I go. And I never left two steps out of my house before this program. And I really want to say congratulations to the birthday people because you inspire me every single day. When I get thanks for my recovering as I get up here, I hope I do you justice and I do my higher power justice because you are the reason I give thanks to this recovery. My higher power is the reason I give thanks to this recovery. And by that miracle, I give thanks to myself. I complete that I in that triangle for this recovery. What has it what has it meant to me is a life that I didn't have the courage to even say that I want to live. I came into these rooms in 2011, and I just celebrated over six years of abstinence myself back in June of this year, one day at a time. Now, when I came into these rooms, pretty much my eating behavior was diet binge, diet binge, diet binge, restrict binge. That was pretty much me. I mean, I can say how far back that I remember this is being like five years old on a jungle gym. And just now that I see things clearly, just as like a chubby kid. But boy, did I feel out of place because somebody looked at me in a weird way. And it was pretty much my family. It was, oh, you're just kind of fat or just ch-. And they didn't mean it in that way, not that derogatory way. But it was very, very much like um, I felt out of place. And, you know, there was always five pounds to lose to a five-year-old. I remember being eight years old and trying to do this, like, thing to control carbs. I don't even think I knew what a carbohydrate was, but just that mentality came to me, eating a hot dog, don't eat the bun. Lasted for maybe 20 minutes of a meal. (laughs) Okay. 10 years old or something, 9 years old, Jenny Craig was going to be the answer. My first official, like, official diet. 10 years old. Like, supposed to be happy-go-lucky, playing in the cards and the jumbo gym with your friends. Didn't have any friends. Pretty much had my mom didn't really know anybody, and had most, what I now look at as such isolation, such isolation. I didn't know how to give love, I didn't know how to accept love, and I sure as heck didn't know how to laugh and have a good time. So 10 years old, Jenny Craig, go in there with a whole plan of, okay, I'm going to lose like these 20, 30 pounds now, 
And they were like, oh, that's just, like, a lot. You know, maybe we can lose, like, you know, 25, and if you really want to lose the five, great. Got this, like, three-month plan in advance. Everything good. Lasted for maybe 72 hours before that cake. Completely insane. But not insane. Just really misguided. And that's really what this gift of recovery has given to me, is a new set of glasses. It's not, I didn't cause it. I'm not the most horrible person for it, and there just needs to be an awakening about it. So teenager life, everything like that, came in in 2011. Let me just say, I came from a world, as you could probably hear just a little bit, you know, didn't really have any friends, and very, very sheltered, incredibly, incredibly, incredibly sheltered. But I really didn't even know it was that sheltered. I just, that was like the norm. There were so many mind games. We're free to be who we want to be, but at the same time, make sure you stay in these little four boxes. And that world grew into like maybe three boxes, you know, like three triangles. The square even got shorter and shorter and shorter. So what was happening? Fear was always growing. And I always just couldn't, couldn't imagine it other than that. So when I came in, I didn't even know what the word addiction really was let alone to have it hit home right here. Nobody in my family ever, like, you know, had addiction, 12 steps. What what were 12 steps? What are we talking about over here, you know? So absolutely clueless for real. But at the same time, I knew enough about it, but it was like it was out there. It wasn't going to hit home. It wasn't going to be anything about, it was like the, if you know Art Norman Rockwell, like that perfect Thanksgiving picture of the family, the culture, everybody comes and looks very polished and it's from the same culture and very, you know, appropriate and everything. And there is a whole mess happening behind those colors, but never was any of that mess dealt with because there was, I didn't even know it, I'm just a statue. I am just a statue, and there's not a feeling to be had. And, okay, maybe I get the right to five feelings. Happiness, gratitude, loving, and life. That's living. That's it. That's, like, maybe, you know, all these, like, good little approach. And don't go, like, overly crazy. And don't tell people you're happy because it'll just, like, you know, ruin it for you in the next 20 minutes and jinx it and all of that stuff. So completely talk about chaotic control. No wonder the restriction was so damn powerful, and I couldn't control it anymore, and then I would just go out and binge. So what got me to actually have an inkling of an open mind to something like this was, so I can totally do all this, like, you know, restriction control, restriction control, binging, do my days, but now I can't really seem to, like, control it anymore, and the binges are getting really bad. And, like, the two days of binging are growing into four days are growing, and I'm starting to get really, really hopeless. An amazing life I had on the outside. Immigrant parents who gave me everything worked their asses off. Great college education. I worked my ass off in college, held down a job. Good, good life, good home, good people. Driving down Santa Monica Boulevard. Completely, completely have everything that I could ever ask for. How come I'm at the youth of my life, everything going for me, and I just want to die? And I was finally willing to be honest with myself to say the real shit that was going to come out. Sorry if I cursed them. I was supposed to there. But um, finally willing to be honest with myself to say, this is how I feel. I just want to die. 
Now, I came from a place where I always believed in a power greater than myself. That I did have in my upbringing. And so at my bottom, I pretty much said to that power, take this or take me. Now, that power was really amazing because in a world where I didn't know anything about this, I had one angel in my life that was 26 years of recovery from an addict and really knew me for about 9 or 10 years of my life and did not say one word to me about it until the student was ready to listen. And I asked her one time, when did you know I had this? She said from the day she never met me. She just didn't say it. Now that to me is obviously an epitome and a gratitude of recovery because to act upon God and not upon whatever. And that, and I listened and I was finally open to listen. That was the truth. It has to be time, it has to be openness, and it has to be. And I, the only thing that got me to listen, and this is why I absolutely love a bottom, was because I ran out of excuses I was so freaking miserable, and she laughed as I was crying. And she didn't laugh in the mean way, but she just started to smile and laugh. And I said, I didn't care about somebody laughing as I was crying or anything like that. What I said to her was, oh, my God, give me hope. Why are you smiling? And this is why I say to the newcomer, and I say this to myself and my higher power all the time, thank you for the gift of that bottom. Because she said to me, you have to hit a bottom before you're willing to try something open-minded. And what has open-minded come to be? Something that I'm willing to put aside all my I knows and everything that I knew about God or about that power and everything else to really be open-minded to finally allow an inkling of freedom in. Freedom to feel, freedom to release, freedom to be. So she said that to me, and all of a sudden, the same meeting that I tried one time, that I basically left and said, I know now what I have to do. Still me trying to control it. It really kind of pretty much still looked like a diet. Because I wasn't willing to deal with what was inside. So I went to that meeting again. I had never related to anybody. When I went back, I cried my eyes out, and I was home. And I didn't know why I was crying, but I just knew I was home. And the woman that I ran into, or I saw the first time that I met, she was sharing, and I was conscious enough to remember this, and she was sharing and pitching about the gratitude of holiday so-and-so around the house, and she really, just nothing was calling to her, and everything went fine. And I said, what the what I mean, you know, you must be crazy. How in the world is that even possible? That's not even freaking possible. I mean, how do you know? And I just remember when I went back months later, it was like I looked in her eyes and I saw a higher God. And I just said, I remember you from then. And she just said to me one thing. She said, these are good tears. And I didn't know why I was crying or what was happening. It just felt really good. And so the journey began. And what was different this time? See, 
this is the part that did keep me coming back a little bit. Because I believed in that God that I said, take this or take me, the angel said, my friend, my angel said one thing to me. He loves you too much to take it from you. And I couldn't be more grateful for that. Because this disease in recovery... I give my last dollar, my last breath, my last everything, and so much more for what I have received and continue to receive. And so what happened was a willingness to see all the blackness behind the spirit that was being killed. It wasn't so much physical. It was very, very dramatic completely blackened out, inch by inch, pain by pain. So, beyond looking at the food came now looking at the reasons behind what I did, why I did them. And this was what was so different from anything that I ever knew. Because now I needed to start to begin to believe that this power was going to do for me. And I absolutely had no clue how to do that. Because when I was praying to that power this whole life, I pretty much believed that if I'm supposed to have something or that if I want something, then I have to figure out how to do it, how to get it, and how to make it happen. There is so much ego. I, 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 and some more. And if I can't figure it out, then why bother trying? Because that was kind of the story of my food, too. If I can't do it perfectly to whatever crazy thing that I defined as perfect, and if I end up eating one grape too many, then it's all over and bring on everything else. Vicious cycle of food, vicious cycle of thinking. The vicious cycle of thinking was the real, real problem. Because I couldn't give myself a real chance. If I can't figure it out, it's not going to happen. And even if I could figure it out, I am such a low-bottom negative person that I will talk myself out of it before I give myself even the breath. It's called being, I loved how my sponsor said it one time, dead and buried before I even give it. Dead and buried. So much negativity. So what did I really need to do? It goes beyond God do for me what I couldn't do for myself with that first compulsive bite. It goes do for me what I couldn't do for myself, which is to even ask you to bless me with trust. I can't even do that. Couldn't even do that because I'm supposed to figure it out. And these are ingrained ideas that have been God to me. These are things that I've lived by all this time. And just now, when we say faith is all or faith is nothing, it was either going to be die miserably or I better start taking a chance on some hope. And it was going to be a moment at a time. So everything that I knew, somebody asked me this, how did you become abstinent and how did you know and how did you do it? And I said it was exactly the opposite of what you're asking. I didn't plan it. I didn't say this was going to be the day. And I didn't say now I'm going to do it. It was like, here we go. Here's some meals for the day and just doing a day. Sit. Sit. 
didn't even know. I borrowed an abstinence from a food sponsor that I worked with just because I was desperate enough to start some kind of a boundary and start some kind of a recovery. And I didn't even, if you asked me then, I wouldn't even say this. I'm just, I just planned it. No I involved. That's it. Okay? That's it. And I started it on the day that I would say is the most unluckiest day to start anything in my life. I started it on that day. That's how desperate I was. I didn't think it. I didn't talk it. I even just said unluckiest, it doesn't matter. Been through the hell that I've been through. It's just not working. Let's just, you know. And it, none of it was saying it. It was just in the process of doing. I went back that night from that meeting on my very first day of abstinence. And never did I feel that kind of a high the way that I felt even on the days that I accomplished a diet. I never felt that feeling. Never. And I came home that night, and it was like that entire day was a breath of air, like I didn't know what air ever was. And I came home that night to that same power that I was supposed to figure it all out with and that I was supposed to be able to do because I couldn't believe that I could rely on that power to do it for me. But I came home that night with all my degrees and all my I knows that were always God to me. And I felt like betraying. I felt like I was betraying God when now all of a sudden easy does it, let go, let God kind of business started to come in. And I went to that same God the one that, you know, was very judgmental or so forth, but I didn't see him that way. And I got on my knees, and for the first time in my life, I really looked at him, and I felt a smile, and I saw a smile, and I sincerely said, please do this for me, because I just can't. I just can't do it. And I see that smile with so much love that's grown from my heart because that's all I believe he ever really wanted was for me to trust him, for me to allow him in because I was very misguided to assume that I had to figure it out and do it all in order for me to be able to have any kind of anything good. It couldn't be easy and it couldn't be given. I had to grind. I had to suffer. I had to earn it, but earning it was painful in the ways that I knew it. So what was different this time from a diet was a willingness to want happiness. And what has happened or what did happen were these steps. It started with these steps. It started with working with somebody through these steps. And it was so courageous that it was like finally being willing to see the things that I couldn't believe were coming out of me. And I consistently continue to work them over and over again because now it seems honest to see this is the crap that I believed. Acceptance used to mean I have to allow anything to happen and left to my own devices, well, God, if you really want me to suffer and be in a negative abstinence and I'll lose it, then I guess whatever you have as a result will be okay because that's what I deserve. Great. Really giving that power a chance. Really, thank you. 
really giving that power a chance. So what happened? You know, when we say the higher power of my understanding, what's happened in six years of working the steps and the traditions and constantly working this book and everything else so beautifully is like I get to call myself out on my own BS. So I had to start looking at things on deeper levels, and this just happens. Again, I don't figure it out. I don't control it. I don't do it. I'm just doing the next indicated action, something that's just grown to become a little bit more natural from everything that I knew of how to figure it out, and then I'll do it. The higher power as I understood him kind of had to change because even the word understand needed to change. That allows my thinking to come in. As I understand. Okay, now what do I understand? Lots of analysis and theses and things like that. The stupider I am, the more grateful I live. So what changed? And I love being able to consistently work this because literally it's like every single time. When I looked at these books, this big books, this AA 12 and 12, whatever it was, I looked at judgment. I was looking for the thing I'm doing wrong. I was looking at the black and white words that I could use against me in a hopeless sense of despair. Even on page 63 on how it works and it talks about the third step, it says, the words were quite optional. So long as we express the idea, voicing it without reservation, the higher power of my desire, I was finally willing to put aside anything and everything that said, you can't have this in your life, and you can't have that in your life, and until you figure all the I knows, get pretty sick and tired of it. See, and it just is going to happen, because either the food's going to happen or honesty is going to happen. Honesty started to happen. What would I like my life to look like? The things that I didn't have the courage to even dream about and say out loud. I welcomed Robin. I said, welcome, I'm traveling, right? Didn't take two steps out of my house without somebody calling me on the other side to say it's okay to do this. Didn't spend $20 without thinking, like, I'm not going to end up like a bag lady somewhere. Nobody's on the other side this time other than a pool of love and a pool of goodness. And it wasn't going to happen until I started taking the action. It wasn't going to happen because I changed my thinking and then I started doing the action. It was going to be faith. It was going to be faith. So, in the process of doing this, in the process of working my inventory, before I even finished my first year of abstinence, let's just say I come from a culture where I was not taught to be an independent thinker, let alone an independent woman. So, before my first year of abstinence, I walked out of my own parents' house and moved into my own place. That was pretty scary. But I remember saying something to myself that came to me from my higher power that was completely unnatural. I said, it's just you and me now. It's just you and me now, God. It's just you and me. And I couldn't believe I said that because it went against every God that I knew. 
it was guilt, it was judgment, and it felt like I was the most selfish person on the face of the earth. But what was selfish and self-centered, as it says even in this book, our troubles, self-pity, because I kept trying to play God to everything and everybody. But when it says this beautiful passage, this is one that I take with me. But it is better to meet God alone than when one, with one who might misunderstand. See, the higher power of my desire is going to be the higher power of my desire. And the only thing I'm here to do is to practice it and to help somebody else live theirs. Everything else is to that power. It becomes pretty much a non-negotiable relationship. One day at a time. That's what I try to give as a sponsor. It's what I try to give as a person. As long as I was willing to abandon. It's been a journey. It's continuously a journey. So I moved out. Started to travel. Things that I never really did. Took a little road trip. On that first road trip, Mom wanted to come, whatever, I don't know. Somebody else wanted to come, whatever, I don't know. I have no idea why I'm saying the things that I'm saying, and I have no idea why I'm doing the things that I'm doing, but somehow, some way, the car is going, and nobody else is in it but me and my higher power. <laughs> Thank God, because awakenings happen. The things that most courage necessary to be with myself, to be with that power. And in that process, again, all I'm doing is the actions. I didn't think it, I didn't have it. The epiphanies start to come. And in that process, looking at an ocean outside on this gorgeous place and just feeling so much pride in the good way that I got there by myself. And looking at that ocean and feeling that higher power. All of a sudden I'm saying, what the heck am I doing in a relationship with anybody or anything like my food, my whatever. What the heck am I doing in a relationship with anything or anyone? I don't even have a relationship with myself and with my higher power. And what has happened is the emerging of using the S. Stop looking for the judgments and the black and white skinnies and start looking for what this book is really saying. And to me, I can only speak my experience, strength, and hope. What was the greatest desire that I ever wanted was to cut out a middleman for approval and just live it. What has been the greatest desire that I've ever wanted? To stop even asking, is this okay or is this not by that power? And to just live it. I've wanted heart to mind to body to spirit to action alive in one breath. And that's what this program, and that's what these steps, and that's what these tools do for me. Because on this page, it also says we stop letting our fear guide all the time. And we then were reborn because we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and hereafter. We could face life successfully. And we could see what we can contribute to life. Everything that came before the present, everything that came before alive in that breath, had to go away. So then, again, traveling became. 
I never traveled anything. Road trips turned into plane trips, turned into international trips, turned into international family trips, believe it or not, and I stayed abstinent through it. What changed? Thank God it's not a diet, because it was so black and white. Time zone changes, groceries change, everything changes. This thing called, I'm going to try to make it perfect. Okay. I get sick and tired of it. I'm going to try and make it God. That's a better perfect than I ever came up with. What has God changed? Love. Finally started with something called love. I didn't even know it. I'm addicted to finding what's wrong by myself, to myself. What changed in this relationship, in this being? On the 11th step, it talks about the greatest rewards in that prayer and meditation. We no longer lost. We're no longer lost and frightened and purposeless. What changes in through the actions, then comes a willingness to change the mind of my mind and say, what the heck am I doing in these thoughts? Get out of there. Thank you to one of our birthday takers who said, why do I keep coming back? Because of you. Because of you, so that you can keep me out of trouble. You keep me out of my head. Every time I give something, I gain more infinite than anything ever. From a girl who was too afraid to be accountable to cross the street to a girl who's taken on service positions the first day of abstinence, somebody looked at me and said, would you do this? And I was only too happy, if you ever asked. Again, thank God, I was so desperate my thinking was out the door and I just wanted to finally be happy in what felt right. Somebody said, would you be a delegate? I said, absolutely, I'll be a delegate. Absolutely, I'll go to a meeting. I had a purpose to go to. Outside of my head and my misery. It was too good. It was better than whatever I was eating. And it was sure heck better than whatever Excel spreadsheets I was doing when I was supposed to be working diet and calorie counting. Sure as heck better than that. Became that. My first year, I became on on the board. I said, what the hell am I doing on the board? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to be accountable for an entire year to anything. I can barely be accountable for an entire day. Guess what happens? I'm not the manager anymore. I got where it says God's mind for God's my employer, my physician, my manager, my everything. Not just God, the desire, the desire God. Everything that I was so afraid I'm going to turn into a bag lady. I invested more in my higher power. That meant I lived more for my life. I traveled. I lived. I gave to myself. Everything that I thought the abundant pool is just going to shrink. I'm going to end up with nothing. Has only grown. Wow, that desire one's pretty unlimited. And that's one of the things that I love taking with me in this book. The solution to fear. We trust infinite God over our finite selves. I start. Somebody said to me, when you went to Paris, remember the process you went through in your thinking? And I just came back from Australia. There was no process. It was just like, let's do it. Less mind, mind games. That infinite becomes more on trust. Why am I thinking? Because I need to talk myself into trust. Doesn't happen. Never did happen. What do I need you to do for me? What I couldn't do for myself. Live in a pool of trust. Not think it. Not do it. Not write it. Not believe it. Not be it first. Actually just live. Jumping in the action. I love how willingness talks about. It's not, it's not being on the sidelines. It's in it.
every relationship that I had from the family that I thought I lost forever has become more respectful to me than anything I could ever do. All the things that I was trying to control before I could surrender, or half measures as I say it, I finally just got sick and tired of my manipulative little puppet things over here. Because I was, not because I was doing it to be vicious or cruel, but because I needed to feel safe. So again, what was going to be my safety? What was going to be my security? A level of faith. Why do I keep working this? So I can call myself out on my own things that keep me out of my faith. The desire part. The not the manipulative part. The desire part. So I finally said, here's what I could do. And here's what I said. I could take all this energy and just love that power. I couldn't love myself, and I couldn't love you, and I couldn't love anybody else, and I couldn't forgive. But I could do that much. I could love that power. That power directed me to the actions. I didn't come up with them. I didn't do them. Thank you. I just happened. And with that, I will just say thank you so, so much.